On Personally Speaking, we're welcoming back to our program the iconic actor, singer, writer, entertainer, Pat Boone. Stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti, your host. My guest is singer, actor, writer, and television personality, Pat Boone. He's going to join me now. Pat has sold over 45 million records worldwide and has recorded more than 2,300 songs, more than any other recording artist in history. His first number one hit was in 1955 with a rendition of Fats Domino's Ain't That a Shame. Other hit songs followed, including Love Letters in the Sand, Don't Forbid Me, and April Love. Pat has starred in 15 movies, and he's in a new film called The Mulligan, with a message that God offers us all second chances through his saving grace. Pat also has a new book coming out in the fall. It's going to be called If, The Eternal Choice We All Must Make. Pat was married for 65 years to Shirley Foley until her passing in January of 2019. He's here with us today to talk about his life, his career, and the great Christian faith and values that sustain him. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome back to Personally Speaking, Pat Boone. Pat Boone is our guest. I'm delighted to have Pat back on our program. Pat, I know that the movie that you're in that's coming out, The Mulligan, deals with uh, do-overs, especially in the context of golf. Now, not too long ago, one of our guests was uh, uh, Bubba Watson, the wonderful golfer, and uh, he said something interesting. He said, you know, golf is what I do, but God and my family are who I am. Uh, and what Bub is discovering now, a little bit later in life, I mean, that's been the, the meaning of your life from the beginning, God and your family. How come early in your life you seem to get it about what's really important? Well, I was blessed with a mom and dad who both had practical professions, daddy a building contractor and architect, mama a registered nurse. <clears throat> now, and then they were, but they were strong church-going Christians, Bible-believing, Bible-reading, studying, and Bible-living. And I had a brother, two sisters. I was the oldest. Mm -hmm. But as we grew up in our home, modest home in Nashville, uh, the Bible and church-going and, and, and discussion about what was expected of us by God mm -hmm. uh, was part of our lives. I just grew up that way. And uh, every time the church doors opened, we were there on the first or second row <laughs> and, uh, and, and had even some Bible reading and devotional sometimes, not regularly, but it was not unusual for us to have them at home. Daddy, building contractor, but he taught Sunday school right. on Sundays, and he studied six mornings a week for 35 minutes to an hour, six mornings a week to teach a half-hour class. So this was this was the context in yeah. which I grew up. I went to a secular grammar school, but when high school days came, my friends all went to secular high schools. My brother and I, one year younger than I, uh, we worked for daddy as laborers in the summer to earn money to help pay for our tuition in a Christian mm -hmm. high school. Okay, I wanted my high school education, certainly my college, 
in a Christian context. So this is how I grew up. I was blessed that way. Uh, some would say I was brainwashed or something. <laughs> well, if so, I'm glad I was washed with living water. Now, now, Pat, Margaret and Archie, your parents, obviously did something very right for you. You yeah. and Shirley, in turn, have this beautiful, uh, beautiful daughters. Um, did you find it easy or hard to pass on the values that mattered to you, which you had learned from your parents and your church? Was it easy or challenging to pass it on to your daughters? Very easy, because from their earliest days, <laughs> they, that's who we were. We, I'm still living in the same home right now that we moved into in, in 1960. So that makes it, what, 62 yeah. years. Yeah. And, and they were just little, little girls mm. when we moved in, all four girls having been born. While Shirley and, up, Shirley and I were 23 by the time we had all four children. And I was still in college at Columbia University, but making movies and doing TV at the same time. That's just the way my life was going. But being in church all the time, every ch again, with them the way it was when I grew up, we were always at every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, church meetings every night. And, and we had Bible. Uh, this makes it sound like some kind of super <laughs> religious thing, but it was just... It was just a practical part of our lives. We, as the four girls were getting ready to go to school, uh, and they were like seven, eight, nine, and ten, mm -hmm. we had, while they were eating, we had a Bible story of some sort, and then uh, we'd sing a church song or two together and have a word of prayer, and then I'd take them to school. I've said many times, we had breakfast with Jesus. Mm. This, was, this was just a practical, everyday part of our lives. They were in school with kids, entertainment, family kids who were allowed to do anything and everything and had no seemingly no restrictions and no spiritual instruction. But my girls did have that, thankfully, and they would come home and we would talk about what they were exposed to at school with their friends. And, and they would feel sorry for their friends because they didn't have the, the direction, the sense of direction and value and responsibility that they were growing up with. And they saw the difference. Yeah. Eventually, when we became a family act, which was my way, my cunning way of keeping apps <laughs> on four teenage daughters right. at the same time, because they were, when we started the family act, they were like 13, 14, 15, and 16, pretty teenage girls. So Shirley and I became a family act for eight years. And the girls traveled with us, sang with us, recorded with us. We got Grammy nominations, Dove Award nominations as a family act. And so we went on Merv Griffin's show once and he was the talk show host, very good. He was also very conspiratorial. Hmm. He liked to dig and find out things <laughs> you didn't expect to talk about. Well, he, he learned right away that Shirley and I, and I particularly, was a fairly strict dad, especially in an entertainer family. So he said, can you sit down and let me just talk to your four girls? I said, sure, they can talk. Hmm. So talk to all four girls who were like 15, 16, 17, and 18 by then. And he said, you guys have a very strict dad, don't you? I said, oh, yeah. What's he strictest about? They thought a second. One of them said, respect. Hmm. They demand respect. And the audience applauded. Merv's audience, they hadn't heard such a thing in years, <laughs> and it nettled him. 
So he said, come on, girls, come on, come on. Now tell it. Don't you think you <laughs> don't you feel like you're missing out on something? And my eldest daughter, 18, said, yeah, trouble. <laughs> A lot of our friends get in all kinds of trouble, and we're, we're not. Now, look, they're, they could speak for themselves. They said, yeah, we know our parents are pretty strict. We don't always agree with the rules and the, and the regulations, you know, the, the restrictions they put. But, but they explain them. We understand them. They know we know they're looking out for us and that we've got plenty of time and we'll be able to call our own shots and do whatever we want. But meanwhile, we are seeing that our friends have terrible troubles, mm-hmm. nervous breakdowns, drugs, pregnancies, parents divorced, and we don't have those problems. Yeah. So we get it. <laughs> and Merv, yeah. Merv sat down then. He, <laughs> he, he's not you, happy with those answers. You managed to silence Merv Griffin, which is a miraculous thing. Now, for, <laughs> our, for, our, for our listeners and watchers around the country, around the world, Pat Boone uh, shared over 65 years in a relationship with Shirley. And, you know, Pat, when couples come to be married now, uh, I ask them always to write me an essay. Why is this the one? How can you be sure? And uh, But you were doing this at the age of 19. So what, yeah. did you, what did you see in Shirley at 19 that said, I can build a lifetime with this woman? What did she have that made you say, I, I could be looking for the next 20 years and dating a million women, but this is the one? Why? Well, forgive me if I get a little on emo- if I get emotional, but I did some dating in high school, like all kids, even a Christian high school. But mm-hmm. I could tell that it was sort of expected of us guys to date girls that we thought we might make a little headway with uh, <laughs> right, right. sensual areas, you know, at least at least kissing and, you know, first base and that kind of stuff. Right. Well, I dated a couple of girls and I found it very unsatisfactory because I felt like I had wasted time that I was not going to stay interested in this girl. Mm-hmm. And so my dating, it was almost not stated. It was just it became sub, subconscious. I'm not going to waste time dating a girl I wouldn't be interested in marrying. Yeah. She doesn't have character and, and qualities that I want to continue with. Why would I Why would I waste time dating? Yeah. So I didn't date as much as some of my guys, but my friends. But when I dated Shirley Foley, she mm. was 16. She had just transferred from, from a, a secular high school because her mom was not well. Her dad... Red Foley, the country's Hall of Fame singer, a grand old Opry. I wasn't a country music fan then. I was a pop music fan. But when I met Shirley, I immediately became a country music fan. <laughs> and as I dated Shirley Foley, I recognized a quality woman. I mean, I didn't put it in words. I just sensed it. Yeah. That she, this girl I could consider marrying someday. I'm 16, 17. I was so serious about it that we didn't kiss till for the first nine months of our dating. Wow. Now, that was unusual, even then in a Christian high school. (laughs) But it's because I didn't want to be involved in one of those trivial going steady things. Mm -hmm. That no sooner do you start going steady than you feel trapped and you want to get out. And um, and and that happens with kids all over. So uh, that August night when we were seniors in high school, just starting our senior year, we were both 16 turning 17, and I and we were in a hayride at, at a August, uh, no, I got early September night. School had started, 
mm-hmm. and a bunch of us kids in a hayride, and that was romantic, a warm September night. And I could drive, and I took her to her dad's house and let her out, to the, took her to the front door. And just impulsively, with no warning, not even thinking about it ahead of time, I leaned down and kissed her very gently. It was sort of a surprise, but she kissed back, but it was no big <laughs> Just a, a light little kiss, and I said, good night, honey. And I went to the car. I was buzzing. I was unbelievably <laughs> tingling. She went in to her two sisters, and she said, well, we had it. We kissed tonight. I waited nine months for that <laughs> little peck, yeah. but, but I was hooked for life yeah. by that sweet little kiss. And I knew she was the one. Well, we dated. Her mom died soon. Mm. That brought us even closer together. And her dad was moving to Springfield, Missouri in our 19th year, freshman in college, knowing that we were it. We were already talking about what our kids might look like and how many kids we wanted. And and, and he was moving to, to Springfield, Missouri to start the Ozark Jubilee. And okay. he was taking his widowed daughters with him. And I said, Shirley, I can't stand for you to go away. Why don't we get married? 19. She mm-hmm. said, okay, wow. I'm willing. And I, I didn't ask my folks. They said, oh, no, you don't. Right. No, no, you get your college education. Then you get married. So I didn't bother asking them. I went to her dad, though, and he was about to have to go to Springfield and continue raising his three daughters without his wife. And I was offering to take one of his his eldest daughter off his hands. (laughs) (laughs) And he was very emotional at that point. He said, is this what you want, honey? And Shirley said, yes, Daddy. Mm. You really care this much about him? And she said, I do. And he looked at me and with tears in his eyes, are you going to take care of my girl? Mm. And naive Pat Boone at 19 said, yes, Mr. Red, I will. Daddy Red called him Mr. Red, I will. And the tears rolled down his nose and he into his coffee and he said, I'll buy your rings. When are you planning? I said, tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And it was because he was leaving the next week. His three girls, including Shirley with him. So my high school principal who knew how much we loved each other, knowing that we wanted to be married and why. He married us on the Saturday after I asked her dad's permission on Friday and bought the rings that he offered to buy for us. And we were married that night, that Saturday night. Shirley went with me to a church uh, meetings that we were having protracted meetings in Franklin. I was leading the singing in the worship service. And we just got married in the afternoon, and I called my parents to say, I want we coming home tonight. Shirley and I just got married, and <laughs> it was, there was silence <laughs> on the other end of the phone. And they said, well, then let us know when you're coming here. And I said, I will. And uh, we let, I led singing at church. Somehow the word got out that somehow that we had gotten married. And so while I was still up front at the end of the service, Saying, talk, saying goodbye to the minister and people, other people, and we walked to the exit of the church, and there were already people there with, with rice, and guys had tied tin cans to the bumper of our car, and we were we already had a little wedding celebration that night before I even got to my, I took Shirley home the next night, and we went up in the attic, 
for the next few nights while I got settled in student housing. The attic, which was just a place I had taken over uh, as my place, my penthouse, but it was an unfinished attic. <laughs> and that was Shirley's and my, where we spent our first little honeymoon was in that's the attic. That's great. But now, then, yeah, that's, that's a very long story. No, no, but, no, I get it. I, and I'm getting what you love about it. You said the, the key word, Pat, was you said, I recognize a woman of great character. Yes. And, and that's that's amazing that early in your life you knew it. For a lot of our viewers, yeah. they may not know, Pat, that uh, because you're this Oshuk's wonderfully nice guy, there can be a tendency to think that he must be simple and, and uncomplicated. The reality is that you're, you are uh, incredibly smart. I don't know if our viewers and listeners know, but uh, Pat went to Columbia University and didn't just go there, but he also graduated summa cum laude. Do you find, Pat, because of the directness and niceness of your personality, the people don't realize that you're also a, a smart guy? Yeah. Yeah, my, <laughs> my fellow performers made that painfully clear over the years. <laughs> I became great joke material. Yeah. In fact, on my 80th birthday, my daughters insisted on, on what sounded like a folly thing to do, a foolish thing to try to do a roast with fellow celebrities roasting me on my 80th birthday. Well, to my amazement, they got some professional help, did it at Beverly Hilton Hotel. Mm -hmm. People like Larry King and Tom Dreesen, the comedian, and Rich Little and, and, uh, and, uh, and a lot of other people partook and roasted me, although it wound up being sort of a tribute. I mean, they would make jokes, but they didn't have as much. I mean, they were kidding me about being square, right? Uh, you know, not supposedly not really knowing all that was going on, being naive. Mm. But then they had to confess respect because of our long successful marriage Four beautiful daughters married to good Christian guys, grandkids, great grandkids, mm. a very successful career, movies, television. I mean, yes, in fact, what they didn't know, nobody knew except me, and I didn't make much of it, is that when I was in high school, I, did, I was given an IQ test, and uh, it registered 170, <laughs> which is a, a genius IQ. Right, I, didn't right. always act, I didn't always act like a genius, <laughs> but I had the ability, the quality right. of being able to learn quickly, remember ably, and do almost anything I set out to do. Yeah. Pat, when uh, when I was growing up, my parents would uh, regularly take us to the movies, and I was thinking about when I first came on Pat Boone, and uh, uh, the two movies that stand out would be uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, yeah. and uh, and of course uh, the 1962 version, I think, of State Fair. But I was thinking to myself, here you are, a young man, young family man, and, and you've got people throwing money at you and beautiful women at you, and and who and what kept your feet on the ground when there had to be in Hollywood and working in movies like that and the career you had, so much opportunity to to not be a good man? Well, the, the big, the correct answer to that simple is that when we moved to California, I said, surely, honey, we're in Hollywood, Beverly Hills. We bought a house right smack in the epicenter right, right next to the Beverly, right. Beverly Hills Hotel. And, um, and I said, we're going to live by Tennessee standards. What do you mean? We're going to live like we would live if we were in Nashville. Yeah. The way I was brought up, brought up, and the way you, what made you love me and gave me the ability to love you like I do, we're going to teach our daughters the same way. So we did. We were always in church, Sunday mm -hmm. morning, as I told you. And we prayed together. 
when the baptism of the Holy Spirit began to be in that charismatic aspect of Christianity became known and becoming more and more popular, I was I knew people that were serious, very successful business people and, and Christians, and they 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 were I called them almost electric people. Mm. <laughs> because they they had equality in their lives because they asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, of course, I was intrigued and I read about it. I was going to I wanted to know for myself, is this scriptural? Well, I found out all the scriptural bases, including what uh, what Peter answered on the day of Pentecost, which was which was uh, symbolic, not symbolic, but uh, but important, emphatic. Uh, because when the people realized they had crucified the Messiah and said, well, men and brethren, what must we do? Peter simply said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, this was the answer to what must we do. Yeah. <laughs> and, what, and it was supposed to be the lifelong answer for all of us. Well, many people stop short. Yes, we're, we repent. Yes, we confess. Yes, we may be baptized, and we think we're automatically given the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Not everybody wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a frightening prospect, really, because if you are filled and you turn your life over to Him to lead you, He may make choices for you, expecting you to follow that you don't want. it was it was a sobering prospect for me yeah. to ask Jesus to fill me with his Holy Spirit and to, in that way, tell, almost give me instructions daily about how he wanted me to live. Because I thought he was going to send me to Tibet as a, as a uh, missionary, maybe, or, or to test me, have me give up my career and work as a filling station attendant. I didn't know what, or, or go back to my original intent when Shirley and I married which was to teach and, uh, and be a minister. Mm-hmm. It's what I thought I was going to do when Shirley and I married. But God had a better idea for me personally then. Yeah. And my career was a total surprise. I didn't plan on it. It just happened. Mm. And, and so those and, are the and you, you, you real helped answers. To touch, you helped to touch, I think, many more lives by saying, no offense to ministry, but uh, to live in the world that you lived in and to be a witness by being faithful to, as you say, bringing the Tennessee values with you to Hollywood, I think has yeah. touched countless lives. And uh, I'm glad you did what you did. For our listeners and viewers, I mentioned early on that Pat has a movie out with the Mulligans, but believe it or not, uh, well, into his, well into his 80s, my friend Pat has also written a book called If the yeah. Eternal Choice We All Must Make. Now, obviously that choice is to believe and not to believe, uh, but I want to ask you about something. We had Ed Asner, before he went to God, he came on our program. He identifies as an atheistic Jewish man. So I asked him, I said, Ed, you're galloping toward 90. Are you still an atheist? And he said, the closer I get to the end of my life, the more I hope you people are right. And I mentioned that because he had gone through, obviously, years of doubt about the existence of God. Yeah. Have you grappled with, with doubt or fear of the unknown? Sure. Okay. I mean, I think every thinking person, yeah. every rational person wants to ask, am I believing what I believe and doing what I'm doing just because it's what I was taught? I want to just stop to say thank you to Pat Boone. 
literally since I was a boy, you've been an inspiration to me uh, by your goodness, by the public witness of the life you lived. Uh, and it's no easier for you and for Shirley than it is for anybody to stay on the right path. And I love that you said during this program that like every thinking person, you've gone through your period of, of doubt, but wonderfully yeah. by studying scripture and, and yeah. again, getting to know Jesus, you've, you've learned that, that the faith is true. And I, I, to think that this young man, married at 19, now 88 years old, has helped so many of us to grow closer to the heart of Jesus. Um, the value of your life is unreal, Pat. You've done so much good. Please continue to do the good. I know Shirley wants you up there, but later, Shirley. Right now, we need him down here. So One quick thought, because I don't tell people this, but I just saw the clipping. Years ago, it was a headline and a picture of Vatican. The Vatican was saying publicly, that they admired my way of life, and as an entertainer, they were. It's it's in it's on. You can find it on YouTube. Okay. But the Vatican gave me a, a, a unsolicited, out of the blue, um, compliment that they comparing me with other entertainers who were living different kinds of life. They wanted to just come out of and, and give me a wonderful unsought compliment. Yeah. And I just saw it a reminder just two days ago. I could even send you a copy. That's, that's you know. a wonderful thing. What reminds me, Pat, years ago, Pat Boone did a, an album of uh, songs that are considered to be Catholic songs, but he yeah. said he wanted to cross-pollinate. And in a world where Christians sometimes are so foolish in working at cross-purposes, here's yeah. Pat Boone bringing us all together. So, Pat, you've been a unifying force in the Christian world for so long, and uh, and I just think that that, that that Savior of ours is so happy with the life you've lived, and, and please, God, continue to live. Thank well, you, Pat, is, for being He's the reason for it. He is the reason. Thank you, too. I, I admire you as well. Thank you. God bless you. This program is made possible in part and sponsored by Bullion Shark, a leading rare coin dealer. Do you remember the Bible story of the widow's mite? The widow's mite coin is the type of coin that circulated in the Holy Land and is mentioned twice in the Bible. It's now possible to have one of your very own. Bullion Shark, a well-known rare coin dealer, has a limited supply of these biblical coins and each coin has been professionally certified. You can buy one or more of these rare coins for just $99 each. While supplies last, their number is 1-888-355-1587. And their website is www.bullionsharks.com. This 2,000-year-old unique coin is a piece of biblical history that also makes a perfect gift. Each coin comes with NGC certification to guarantee authenticity and a story card detailing the story behind the piece. You can own a piece of the biblical story that can be passed along to family members for generations to come. Once again, Bullion Shark's number is 1-888-355-1587 and their website is www.bullionsharks.com. What a great opportunity to own or to give as a gift the very coin mentioned in the Bible. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you need to reach me, if you have any points of view or opinions, you can ask those questions at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you next time again on Personally Speaking.